The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. And joining us on round one this morning, Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario PCs and now with the Ontario Real Estate Association, international trade lawyer Mark Warner, and Kareem Assad, a Toronto lawyer and independent journalist. Good morning to you all and happy Valentine's Day. Right back at you. Yeah, maybe I'll start with the most important issue of all, which is, and I just shake my head at this, uh, nearly half of all men, according to some survey or others, say that they're going to use artificial intelligence to compose a Valentine's Day missive. And I just wonder, maybe we've always been at this point. I'll start with you, Karima, because I'll, I'll apply this, you know, this is about men, that men can't even compose two sentences on their own to tell a significant other that they care about them deeply on this day that's meant to be about all that. Is that where we've got to, that 45% of men can't do that and have to use AI to do it for them? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a shortcut, right? Uh, That's what AI provides. And uh, I don't know what that says about us or our society or how we value each other. Um, You know, in some cases, maybe it's a little bit of a boost in helping to articulate, um, but it, we're going to know. You, you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Uh, Tim, uh, are, you, are you planning to use this uh, for, to give Deb a little message of, uh, of, of love uh, with AI? <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I guess... <laughs> I guess a, an, is an AI message better than, than no message? I I think women will sniff it out. I, I want to see the percentage come out tomorrow then from this study of what proportion of women sniffed out that the uh, that their male partner used AI. I think a lot of them are going to tell by instinct. All right, Mark, I'm going to move on to the uh, serious, uh, when I say serious issues, the serious issues. Uh, you didn't want to hear my point of that? Well, go ahead. <laughs> get, 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 go ahead. I, I just wanted to see a breakdown between gay men and straight men. I was curious to see whether it would be the same. That was just the first thought that popped in my head, whether 45% would be actually across the board or whether it would be any differences. You know, that. at the risk of being uh, saying something controversial, which isn't meant to be, I think gay men are more in touch with their, sometimes with their uh, emotions and therefore would not think of having to use uh, AI. They'd just be able to pen a couple of sentences, but uh, that uh, that remains to be seen. Maybe we'll, we'll see if there's any stats come out on that. Mark, maybe I'll stick with you and just see if I, if, if you share any concern that I have, and I do, uh, not because I'm a privacy paranoia person, but I just think this whole idea of scanning people's uh, driver's licenses or other ID in order to let you into a liquor store and keeping the data for even for a period of time goes a bit too far. I don't see anybody else doing this and I don't know why it has to apply to the liquor store, but maybe you don't share that concern. Uh, I do. I mean, I, the first version of this I read uh, yesterday, just, you know, quickly skimming in my Twitter feed. Uh, it seemed to me that it would be applied across the board. The version I read this morning in the story you guys provided from CTV said it would be applied to selective um, uh, customers going into stores, which just in my mind said, well, that just seems to be opening up Pandora's box. But the first thing I noticed, uh, the other thing I noticed yesterday was the pilot location seemed awfully, mm. you know, seemed to invite some some, some legal lawsuits. I mean, mm-hmm. up north in Kenora, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, start saying it, certain customers, not all customers. Mm-hmm. I guess people want to go to the Human Rights Commission. They don't seem to spend enough time there. But that's uh, that seems to be where this will go if they do it in this way. I um but I, I, I mean, I, I, I get that there's a problem with theft, but uh, um, I think the idea and privacy, uh, you know, all of those concerns are real. I, I can't imagine that this will last too long.
No, I mean, Karima, I, I, uh, I've talked to retailers who tell me that these days with the affordability crisis and so on and the way they display their goods and so on, shoplifting is a huge problem. Uh, but I'm not sure this is the answer. And it's interesting to me. It's a government-owned body that is experimenting with this uh, scanning and keeping of data on people as opposed to anybody in the private sector. I've not heard of it being implemented anywhere else, although in Manitoba they've done it in liquor stores. It kind of reminds me when uh, cannabis retail stores started having brick and mortar locations and uh, at the very outset, there was ID scanning um, at at specific stores. Uh, And ultimately, I believe that that resulted in privacy breaches. Um, So the concerns manifested um, and we weren't really sure what the information was being used for, where it was going. Here, again, uh, I, I agree with Mark that there is an impetus uh, to prevent shoplifting, um, but I don't know that that overrides the, the, the more general privacy concerns. Tim, uh, in Manitoba, where they have done this, uh, it has resulted in a substantial reduction. I'm not sure by itself, but it's certainly connected to a huge reduction in shoplifting. Uh, But I would have said to you, and you're familiar with these people as I am, this is the kind of thing I would have thought Doug Ford might just say, Premier Doug Ford would just say, you know what, Uh, it's not worth kind of getting people wound up about this, even for a pilot project, and we should just find some better way to cut down on shoplifting. That's what I would expect, and and it's early days, but uh, what do you think of this whole thing? Over under John, twenty four hours before the premier comes out on this. Tell me yeah. where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. Like, like, first reaction was I, I can't believe this is happening under a conservative government, particularly a Doug Ford government. About the people, right? So I bet he has no idea. He's probably here. Maybe he's listening right now to News Talk Ten Ten and hearing about this. Look, they're going to put vestibules. They're going to build vestibules and all the LCBOs. What's the construction cost of that? That's, that's, they're gussing it up, checking ID. It's bouncers. They're hiring LCBO bouncers now. To to stop people from coming in. And then on top of that, Sioux Lookout, Kenora, and Thunder Bay, right? Community, John, you've been there as, uh, mm-hmm. as PC uh, leader, leader of the opposition, among the highest rate of Aboriginals living in, in, in cities anywhere. So this is clearly targeted by the LCBO because they've got to think that they've got a problem in those stores. Otherwise, why would they target them? This is bad in all senses. Let's actually, you know what they can do? Bring back bags. That's my, my, my pet peeve there. But just be honest about these. Targeting like this, man, 24 hours or less. All right, well, so it's unfair because I have the microphone here and I'll take before noon and you can have afternoon today, okay? Tim? John, can I just add one thing on that? Yeah, go ahead, Mark. As I heard you, as we were listening to Karma talk about this, you know, during the pandemic, there was a thing where the, you know, the, um, Telecom companies had this thing that, you know, Rogers Bell tell us that you couldn't get in unless you, um, you know, basically scanned your 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 phone number through. You were basically lineups outside. And and I was surprised how long that lasted. In fact, I think in some stores it's still going on from the telecom companies. And so they so that that I mean, that's sort of controversial, maybe on this radio station to say so. Uh, maybe that's the model. But I didn't like it when the telecom companies tried it. I certainly wouldn't like it for the LCBO. Okay, so speaking of Premier Doug Ford, uh, he has uh, said he's going to introduce legislation in an omnibus bill, and I don't like omnibus bills, but that's a different subject. Uh, and this a particular part of an omnibus, omnibus bill will say that future carbon taxes brought in or attempted to be brought in by a government of Ontario would face a referendum. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm a bit biased that if you have too many of these referenda, and I don't know why this is any different than an income tax or sales tax increase, that you've got to defeat the purpose of having elections. But having said that, uh, I'll start with you, 
Tim. Uh, do you think this is, in this particular instance, is called for uh, to have a referendum uh, on a carbon tax as opposed to any other? Uh, no, we do it on all taxes, um, but there's a way around that. Look, obviously, um, conservative leaders in Ontario and nationally under Leader Pauly have uh, see a, a lot of space there on fighting the, the carbon tax in an affordability crisis and what it does to our energy sector. But um, number two, look, when, when um, we were in office under the uh, Mike Harris government, we brought in the Taxpayer Protection Act, which said that you'd have to have a referendum on any kind of tax increase. Got us some good publicity. It was across the board. But then Dalton McGinty got in, brought in new legislation, and he had all kinds of tax increases anyway. Uh, Mark, what do you think? Oh, I'm not a huge fan of referendum. Referenda, I think. I mean, I understand the appeal. It's, uh, it's, it's. I get the politics of it. I think it's, a, you know, it's an interesting thing. But you know, where do you stop? There's any kind of initiatives you could do. And of course, uh, you know, talking about over and under. I mean, would would, would, would do you think Doug Ford would be bound by a referendum if people started marching in the street or and, any other government uh, protesting? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I don't love the idea. Karima, you a big on referenda as a way of sort of resolving some of these issues and letting letting the people decide, as they say. I don't think it's very conducive to a tax issue because no one wants to be taxed more. True. Um, so that's the kind of decision that we would hopefully, you know, expect our leaders and entrust them to make informed choices that benefit society as a whole. Um, so I, I see this as kind of a cynical populist move. Speaking of uh, taxes and spending, uh, today is budget day in the city of Toronto. We can't let that pass. And I think actually, uh, Mayor Olivia Chow, and I've been through nine budgets, so I know that a lot of it is, I don't want to call it horse trading, but it's just negotiation, as it were, to try and arrive at a consensus because, of course, there are no parties at City Hall. And I think one of the things she realized that was probably going to be, you know, uh, in the minds of a majority of the councillors was to give the police what they had asked for, which was a one point, only a 1.7% increase in uh, funding. And she was offering less originally. So, I mean, to me, this whole day will pass with no big surprises because they're leaving this snow plowing in place, whether they should or they shouldn't. It's politically controversial. And the only thing that I had suggested she might have done is uh, maybe taken another half point off the tax increase just to acknowledge the affordability crisis. Uh, but in this case, I'll start with you, Mark, and just ask you if, if you think this is about where you thought we'd end up on the budget after all this uh, weeks and months of, of process. Um, I think so. I, I, I mean, I think it is what I, last time I was on with you, I think you proposed something like this. And I, it struck me that that's where it would go. I mean, but I do think it raises a, a more serious issue. I think um, I think this police chief is turning out to be very, very political, you know, and more explicitly political than what we've seen for a long time. I mean, Bill Blair was in a subtle way. Subtlety he seems to have lost since he's moved up to, to Ottawa. But uh, <laughs> I, I think we're going to have to um, watch this guy, yeah, both of this and some other topical issues in the news. And I'm beginning to have real concerns about this guy's politics, especially confronting elected governments. Karima, are we ending up sort of, uh, you know, having spent weeks to end up exactly where we thought we would on the budget? You know, I think that following that horrendous ad campaign, um, like that, that uh, from the Toronto Police Association with the 22-minute delay, um, you know, I, I understand Mayor Chow has said that she's not bowing to pressure from groups. Um, but it's hard to see this any other way. Uh, even my inbox has been full of sort of backdoor campaigning and lobbying for this increase. Um, so I, I agree with Mark that there is a definite political um, tinge to this. And, you know, other departments have to make do with the resources they're provided. Uh, and I don't know why 
the, the police should be any different. Okay, Tim, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, classic horse trading. Pretty hard to be perceived as cutting the police budget in a a time of high concern around uh, rising criminality. But here's my main point. What what I think was missing here, John, was there's a chance for an opposition to emerge, whether that was led by Brad Bradford, John Burnside, or Stephen Holliday. I I didn't see that. I think that was a missed opportunity. I'm happy there's a bit more for police. But, man, I would have liked to have seen more leadership from the other side on this and then claim the credit. Well, I'm told as we wrap up that uh, there will be a motion moved to lower the tax rate by a, f- a further point uh, today that will get seven or eight votes and that's all out of 26. So that will fail. And I think that may be a result of the horse trading where they've said, OK, you know, we'll do something for the police. We'll leave the snow plowing uh, windrows uh, in, in, in place. And in return for that, uh, people don't really go along with uh, anything more on the taxes uh, at a time of uh, great affordability. But anyway, that's all for another day. I want to thank Tim Hudak and Mark Warner and Kareem Asad for being part of the roundtable today catch the roundtable round one at 745 round two at 845 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 toronto